You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Well, good evening, dear friends. Uh, tonight we're thrust into the story of uh, Jesus uh, right after his baptism. Uh, here in Matthew chapter 4, uh, we see right after his baptism, uh, he's driven into the wilderness. Of course, this is the great account where Jesus is tempted uh, after being in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights uh, fasting. Uh, the, the text just tells us, if you look at the first verse, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. <laughs> I don't know if you fasted more than a few hours, but uh, undoubtedly, thank you, uh, Matthew, for telling us he was hungry. And of course, but right as he's hungry is that, that moment of uh, physical frailty and weakness. That's when the tempter comes, right? Does it come when Jesus is on top and uh, strong? You know, he's not at the YMCA uh, bench pressing and really healthy. He's, he's feeble. He's been fasting. Uh, and so that's when the tempter comes. But what this communicates just right off the bat, I'll say, this is right after he's baptized. And so for you and for me, we often think the Christian life, that we're immune from suffering, we're immune from uh, temptation, we're immune from any troubles. But here we have it, uh, our Lord and Savior himself, right after being baptized, after hearing the words, this is my beloved son, listen to him. He's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so how much more so for you and for me um, is the case. Jesus goes without sin. You and I, full of sin, undoubtedly, uh, we also are going to face temptation, whether we're baptized or not, whether we're Christian or not. We live in a, a fallen and broken world. But I do think that's not a throwaway point. I do think it's, it's, it's pertinent uh, to the season of Lent that even as the faithful, if we want to think of ourselves that way, remember God alone is faithful, but you and I, imputed with his righteousness, uh, we are the faithful in a sense. Even we are not immune from the hard times. Even we are not immune from uh, difficulty. Even we are not immune from temptation. And I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't already know. Live in this world just for a little while and you can check that box. Yes, I've been tempted. Yes, I've had a difficult uh, season. Yes, I've been suffering. Yes, I'm weak and frail. And so we look tonight at Jesus and how he responds to these temptations, uh, in part, I'll, I'll admit, in part as an example uh, but I'll, I'll be making the case later that he's much more than an example, much more than simply uh, a template, uh, a script for how you and I would respond. But he's tempted. He's tempted by uh, the devil, and the tempter comes, and he questions right off the bat. He says, if, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And now Jesus answers this temptation with Scripture. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, you notice uh, what happened there. Uh, Jesus responds with Scripture. Our one and only defense is the Word of God. It's not our strength. It's not our ability. It's not our proficiencies. It's the Word. It's all that we have. And he, the Scripture he, he quotes um, is from Deuteronomy, and it also uh, tells us this. We don't live by bread alone, but we live by the Word of God. In other words, we are indeed physical beings. We need daily bread. We need sustenance, but we are moreover spiritual beings who have a body. That's really the, the order there. As C.S. Lewis says, we're not physical bodies with a spirit. We're spiritual uh, beings with a body, and so we hang on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, the devil doesn't give up. He doesn't stop there. Uh, he goes with the second temptation. So the first temptation was elemental. It was an empty belly. And that's kind of low-hanging fruit. That's easy. I mean, I, 
You can tell, I, I like to eat. Um, that's an easy temptation for me. But all the things in our physical body, it's not just food, it's not just sex perhaps, it's not uh, money and the things that uh, creature comforts, we'll call them. Uh, those are just kind of easy. And so the devil ramps it up. Uh, he goes to a, kind of a higher temptation, if you will. So he moves, okay, Jesus won't be sway, uh, swayed on uh, physical temptations, but the devil says, all right, I'm going to take you up here. And if, you, if, again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. This is where he gets clever. He quotes scripture, the, the devil. He will command his angels concerning you, and he quotes again, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he's gotten a little more clever. He's going to use the Bible against Jesus. But Jesus, being the word of God himself, will not be fooled. He answers and interprets scripture lightly, uh, correctly, rather. He says, again, it is written, this is his response, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, the final temptation, moving kind of quickly through this, I know. The final temptation, uh, Satan says, if you just bow down to me, I'll give you all that you can see. All this kingdom uh, out here, I'll give to you. Does anyone think of the movie Lion King when they hear that part? I always think of Scar taking um, up uh, Simba and saying this is, or his son, uh, and saying this is your kingdom, except for the shadow part over there. Go watch uh, 1994's The Lion King tonight. Jesus responds, he says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, the third uh, scripture he quotes, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then from there, the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So we see a template, perhaps on some level, that scripture indeed can be, it's a sword for you and me. It's a, it's a, a, a defense item. We can, in fact, use it in that manner. But Jesus is a lot more than that. Uh, we know he's more than an example. As we'll pray in a moment, he's our mediator and advocate. He's our savior. And so there are gonna be times where this works for you and for me. At our best, you know, these 40 days of Lent, perhaps you've given up chocolate or wine or coffee. I will never give up coffee. Um, I have two young children, coffee's essential. But whatever you're giving up, if you're giving up anything, uh, at your best, you know, you can face temptation. And this is trivial, I know. Um, but at our worst, we're not gonna recall these things at the right time. And we, again, we are weak. We have a hard time uh, as it goes, how much more so when we're weak. But this scene from Matthew's Gospel, it recalls our other reading that Tom read for us at the beginning uh, from Genesis. And it goes back to the same tact uh, that Satan has had all along, to question God's word, to twist God's word. And so what does the serpent say? What does uh, the, the serpent say to the woman, to Eve? Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? You see what he's doing there? He's trying to twist what God has said. And that's why what we're doing here tonight, what we do every Sunday and what we do at Bible study, irrespective of who's up here, or in the Bible study, when we're interpreting scripture, it's paramount. It's actually, it's, it's, it's an important task, and that's an understatement. It's the task to understand what God has actually said, um, because therein are the words of life. Therein are the words of life, and it's important that you and I uh, interpret it rightly. Um, go back in church history, a guy named Irenaeus, sometimes pronounced Irenaeus, he talks about this. He says, look, scripture is important. But it's also important how you put the pieces together. He talks about a mosaic. You can imagine a mosaic perhaps on a wall, and every little piece comes together to create a picture, right? That's what a mosaic is. He says, if you think of the Bible as a mosaic, you can arrange the pieces in various fashions. And we're supposed to get the image of a king, 
But the heretics, the false prophets, the false teachers, Satan, their mosaic is a fox or a dog or a caterpillar. It doesn't make what it's supposed to make. And so you and I as Christians, we're arranging the picture in such a way where we see the king, not some distorted image uh, of a God made in our own image. And so Irenaeus uh, was writing in the second century AD. I I encourage you to look him up. Um, There's a lot there in the early church fathers, uh, the patristics and mothers too. I always say church fathers, it's not sexist. They're just, there were happen to be more men talking about these things publicly. But you and I, what we're doing tonight, we're putting the pieces together. And so we're tempted every week as preachers, as a church, for that question, did God actually say X, Y, or Z? And of course, our task is to know what he said. Because if we, if we do mess it up, and, and we do, we all do, I've got an enormous plank in my eyes. Quick as I want to find the speck in someone else's, I've got a plank, I've got a problem. And uh, the condemnation is sure, uh, this, that I'll die, that I won't be fully who I'm made to be. And ultimately, the cost of it is uh, a spiritual death and from the fall, physical death. But the serpent goes on. He says, you will not surely die. He's twisting it again. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And therein lies the perennial temptation, that we could be like God. That's, that's the ultimate root of all of this. Believing lies is one thing. Being prone to leave, believe lies is another. But uh, deep down, we all want to be seated uh, on the throne of judgment. We want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I want to call the shots. I want to be um, God. And that is the perennial temptation of humanity. And so you see that in Genesis. And the counterpoint to that is Jesus does not succumb. Jesus, while tempted, does not succumb. And if we're being honest, um, we succumb. We fall short. And I would hasten to put a percentage on it, but often I like to think that I'm 99% there or perhaps 90, maybe B minus. But if I'm being honest on my own, um, I always succumb. And so what's the good news in all this? What are are we here at 5 o'clock on a Sunday evening to hear? Uh, The good news surely is not try harder. The good news is surely not, well, if you just read your Bible harder, then things will go well for you. The answer is not, uh, if you follow the script, you can stand up to Satan. No, the good news tonight is Jesus is not our example, but he's our mediator and our advocate. He's our Savior. And he's gone and done what you and I cannot do on our own. He's done it on our behalf, standing up uh, in the wilderness to Satan, again, fulfilling Israel's call. The people of Israel for 40 years were in the wilderness, and they succumbed to temptation. Jesus fulfills the role of Israel, and you and I are grafted in by grace. Now, in closing, kind of landing the plane, I have a hard time landing the plane sometimes, Uh, In closing, uh, where else has Jesus been tempted? Jesus was tempted. uh, We we see a garden uh, of Eden. Well, the garden of Gethsemane. That's where we fast forward later in the gospel, and we see Jesus um, praying those words, if it is your will, Father, let this cup pass from me. And he's tempted. He's tempted. And yet again, he does not succumb. He stands up to it. So intensely that he's sweating blood, we, we learn from Luke's gospel. And so the good news is he did not succumb. And to the very dying breath, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did not succumb to temptation, but instead declares your forgiveness and mine from the cross, and it's effectual. 
And so the good news is even when we succumb and we fall short and we're tempted and we make mistakes, whether, whether little or large, Jesus has proclaimed forgiveness and it's actual and it's real and it's effectual. And so whatever it is that's on your heart tonight, and often we pray the prayer of confession, and I know we do it week in and week out. Sometimes it can go through one ear and out the other. But tonight, hopefully, as you hear this, uh, and you confess your own sins inwardly and outwardly, God will bring to the fore those things that really are tormenting you. I don't know what it is that torments you or what tempts you. I don't know if it's finances that tempt you or lust or anger. But I know for me tonight, I've got a grudge that I've just, I'm holding on to. I'm thinking about an individual right now. Lord, have mercy upon me. And it feels like a thorn in my flesh. Do you all feel that sometimes? You have a thorn in your flesh and it's just persistent and it won't go away. St. Paul talks about this, that there's a thorn in him and, and it seemingly won't go away. Well, the good news tonight, as we're exposed, we're all exposed as we confess our sins, kind of like Adam and Eve, they were cognizant. They realized that they were naked. When they realized they had sinned, the text says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And so their answer and the answer for all of us is to cover up, to hide, to deceive, to lie, to hope that no one notices. Well, as it turns out, God notices. God sees through all uh, barriers that we would put in the way. He sees our thorns. And so the good, good news tonight is those thorns in your side are the very thorns on the crown in his forehead. Our greatest, deepest, darkest secrets and problems and mistakes and deficiencies and sins, Jesus has worn upon his head and has dealt with that on the cross. And so tonight we're not dealing with a God who's looking for us to slip up and ready to drop the hammer. We're looking at a gracious father who mercifully is ministering to us now by his body and blood, by his word, sending his angels to give us that gospel right now. And with that, we give tremendous thanks. Let us pray. God, I pray for myself and for all my friends here that that word of effectual forgiveness, even in the face of our worst sins and temptations, that you've dealt with it on the cross and you've declared our forgiveness and you're not looking for us to slip up but you're ready for us to cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. And we ask now, Lord, as we continue in the prayers and in the music, that your name would be glorified and your glory is on the cross. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.